Gavin. Hey, Louie. I had to swallow. Gavin. Well, I didn't oh, want to spit. Already going blue? <laughs> it's a blue Christmas over here at the Mixed Reviews, everyone. I'm so oh, sorry. Blue. Oh, wait. I don't want to get sued. Oh, right, right. <laughs> no Elvis, no Beatles. Um, no Elvis, you, no Beatles. Do you love my decor? Oh, my God. You're so festive. I'm reporting live from the North Pole. <laughs> Louie, you're on fire. Louie, <laughs> you're on fire. <laughs> If only. I'm keeping warm by the digital screens um, in front of me and behind me. Um, hi, everyone. Welcome to the Mixed Reviews. We are a holly jolly film podcast where we take a film subject such as an actor, director, or mini genre. We take a full month, we give you a full history, and then we tell you what we like and what we don't like. Yeah, we try and watch as much as we can, wrap it up in a bow, give you this present. We've been doing this for over six years now ladies and ladies um <laughs> and only ladies <laughs> I, I i have not met a gentleman in my life <laughs> i will say one gift that we have gotten this year is we are now a proud member of the Glitterjaw podcast collective Glitterjaw is a queer podcast collective and home to such great shows as Distant Echoes, a Star Wars podcast. Are You My Mother? Gimmicks, which is a yes. TV podcast. Walloping Web Snappers, which is a Spider-Man podcast. And pretty much anything else under the sun that you are interested in. Screonk! There's a Godzilla podcast. Go check them out. They're lovely, lovely people. I was just um, catching up on Gimmicks. And I've just been racking my brain. What <laughs> TV show can I pitch them? Because I want to go on. But yes, go listen to our Glitterjaw Girlies we love them very much for the holiday season. They commissioned like this lovely art piece of all of us. Me and Gavin look hot as hell. <laughs> yeah. So good. I, I was like, those arms, maybe I don't know where those came from, but I'm, <laughs> I was like, am I dear Evan Hansen? <laughs> when he was actually young. <laughs> <laughs> and dear, he was so good in it. <laughs> dear was fighting for his life. Okay. Before we get into, the, I mean, for everyone to know, this is our annual holiday episode, and we and we truly haven't done a, a really full holiday episode in a couple years. We've we've like skirted the issue. We kind of did one when we did a Dolly Parton episode, but I would say our last real Christmassy, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, end of the year holiday special. Which, by the way, this one is actually. Very Christmas oriented. So sorry. We're going to revisit some old faves that we have talked about from other episodes. Um, but before we do that, we have at least one piece of old business. We have a poll to get to. Our last episode, we talked about the absolute icon that is Meg Ryan. I am obsessed with the fact that she said, yeah, I'm really successful. Like, wasn't trying to be. And <laughs> just kind of is like doing her own thing. Does not give a fuck about Hollywood. Love that queen. Um, we asked you guys to go online and vote for your favorite movie. And here are the results. Uh, when a Man Loves a Woman, which is my pick, came in last place with 5%. Baby, that is my vote. I know for a <laughs> fact. That is my vote. Last but honestly, place. if you haven't seen that movie, it's it's worth a checkout. Like, I would I would say go watch it. You know? It really is. Like, it's, it's, it's a movie about, um, you know alcoholism that didn't make me feel cringe a lot of yeah. movies when it has to do with like substance abuse is very like okay we're like trying to get an oscar here it's you know gross um but yeah this movie i i cried it was great um in third place we had kate and leopold 11 which i had never seen and it was a lovely um surprise cute 
Hugh Jackman, <laughs> prime of his life. So hot. Um, second place, you've got male with 27%. Um, and then in first place, when Harry met Sally, 57%. That's just, that's the banger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know I I felt weird even picking it because I was like, this is going to win. So like it's stacking the pole. But you know what? I need that win. <laughs> Guys, yeah, you... it's that time of year I need the win. <laughs> yeah, okay. We're, 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 we're comfort and joy. Okay, over here at the Mixed Reviews. <laughs> we had a couple folks um, also write in. We had one person say Joe versus a volcano, which is the kookiest, bookiest pick you could have chosen. <laughs> um, we had a couple for French Kiss and uh, even a shout out for In the Cut, which we love. Yeah, love. And also, like, I really do like French Kiss, so I'm happy other people. Yeah, I, sexual seduction, baby. I, I'll see <laughs> In the Cut for Meg, for Mark, for uh, Jennifer Jason. Jennifer Jason. Um, yeah, stacks on stacks, honey. <laughs> That's a joint slay. Um, but okay. Thank you, Meg, um, for your service to cinema. And At some this- point, we're going to have covered every single person in that movie. Like, somebody's going to call in and be like, my dad was an extra in that movie. And we're going to be like, yeah. I know, episode 249 well, <laughs> was about him. <laughs> I cannot wait for us to get into this episode because there are so many movies that we have talked about in multiple episodes. Batman Returns, I'm looking at you. Um, so... Without further ado, um, for this episode, we are very happy to present Christmas movies of the 90s. <laughs> I, I want like, but like um, Saved by the Bell music. Saved by the Bell, but like uh, Manchester Orchestra. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Exact, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very that. Um, oh my God. And you, you know what's crazy, Gavin? In my brain just now, I remembered um, A Diva's Christmas Carol. Oh. Yeah. You know what? Technically not a 90s movie. When was it made? It was released in the year 2000. Wow. Uh, It doesn't make the cut. Well, I am glad I brought it up at the front because baby girl, you will not see her again. (laughs) But for this episode, you know, me and Gavin were like, it's it's hard doing a holiday episodes because I pitched musicals because I felt like musicals were kind of holiday. But Gavin was like, that is just so big. And so we very expansive. We needed to narrow the field. Um, and I just kept thinking, like, God, like, it must just be because it was 30 years ago. Um, so millennials, like, remember watching them and they're making their kids watch them. So, like, 90s movies and specifically Christmas yeah. movies, they're just, like, everywhere right now. Um, I, it's wild. Uh, first of all, so many people our age are parents. <laughs> mm-hmm. Gross. Imagine Stop having, it. Imagine having kids, Gavin. Oh, I my God. <laughs> wild the, God bless. Uh, all you girlies that have kids out there we know we have listeners that have children and you guys are doing the thing because you are seems, yes it seems like a lot of work um and you are saints that, saints with no money yes and, uh, I mean, <laughs> it's weird how am i poor and no kids i can only imagine what how, how i think i honestly like all joking aside i think about that all the time i'm like yeah i'm like i have the money i have imagine if i had to give that to a child yes what what would we do? What would we do? Our lives would be Hallmark Christmas movies is what would happen. Yeah. You know? Um, uh, we would have to move to a small town, meet a nice man that runs a reindeer shop or something. Yes. <laughs> Take us in. I I, I pitched um, 90s Christmas movies, or, or not Christmas, but holiday movies. And, well, and Christmas you, movies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, the, most of them are Christmas movies. I mean, it was the 90s. Um and, and and yeah, like what a fun uh you know topic mini genre 
for us to get into. I feel like it's such, even though it's a specific amount of time, there is a wide, yeah, wide um, range of types of movies. There's animated stuff. There's action stuff. There's, you know, uh, musicals. Right. There's just a lot um, there. There's um, things for adults, and it's it like so many TV movies at this oh, time too, like God. around the around the era in which TV movies became like really, you know, uh, I mean, just so many. So I I can't even think of the word for it. Like going through this, I was like, oh, a lot of these are TV movies, but the the vibe I think is also when it's Christmas time, we put movies on in the background, like at the party, right. you know, like or as kids, we watched all these specials, you know, that are like half an hour long, you know, Frosty Returns type vibes, um, Peanuts movies, um, even like the Disney stuff where it's like they're packaging like smaller vignettes and featurettes together. We, I don't know, Gavin, if you did this, but like we would watch every Sunday, like the wonderful world of Disney and like, yeah, of course. And during the holiday season, it was like, that's what they were programming. These like little special Christmas things. Yeah, um, I uh, I mean Mickey's Christmas Carol is like one of the the things that I remember watching and we unfortunately probably won't talk too much about it because it's originally from 1983 but I remember you know watching it every year as a kid. Yeah. yeah. I mean I, me and my sisters watched the Santa Claus ad nauseum like all 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 <laughs> through the holiday break. It was crazy. Um, I remember going to theaters and watching I'll Be Home for Christmas with Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Um, I, a movie I hadn't seen until this episode. So it's I saw it in theaters when I was like <laughs> 12 years old or whatever. Um, and I hadn't seen it since. It is crazy. Um, <clears throat> Jessica Beale. But um, yeah, I think there's, I mean, this whole season is about like, you know, remembrances and memories. And it, it can be kind of hard in the cinema space because a lot of the movies get like schlocky. A lot of the movies are trying to like hit on these very emotional, meaningful things about giving to the poor or, you know, being thankful, a family. Um, it's funny. We'll get into it when we talk about the Home Alone of it all. Right. But we we talked about Home Alone in our John Hughes episode. And, and, I, and in our oh, yes. Catherine O'Hara. Catherine O'Hara. Yeah. I came a little hard for home alone 2 specifically um <clears throat> i don't know what was going on with me then i did rewatch and i mean I, that was your that, yeah that was your one star i think for Catherine o'hara like yeah i was i was i was hot and spicy on that um <laughs> but i you know rewatched and i think the difficulty of landing these movies is like how do you have these big meaningful like the meaning of christmas and it also ties back to like my distaste for movies where they like do the bait and switch thing where they tell you like this is this is a hardworking person and like providing for their family and isn't it so bad that they're not there for christmas and what a bad parent that is because they care about working i feel like a lot of these movies they the message even though i get it like yeah we should be making time for our families like it's a very simplistic and um privileged thing to be able to say like right oh yeah like my dad loves me because he comes, he hangs out with me all the time, comes to the Christmas things all the time. And it's like, for me as a kid, I remember thinking like, my dad isn't around all the time. And yeah, my parents I, worked. Yeah, exactly. Like we grew up in like working class scenarios. It just felt like, oh, 
the, and, and the John Hughes of it all is like in the same way that creating culture around like what high school should look like. These movies were creating culture on what Christmas sh- should look like. And that was wow, very- you're already you're already getting to the heart of it before we've even gotten to the rewind. Oh, sorry. But just to say that, like, I think these movies are silly. They're fun. You know, I think a lot of them have good memories for a lot of people, um, but they can be complicated. And I think um, it's OK to be able to say, like, I understand that Home Alone 2 is a classic and like is fun, but also being like there are problems here and that's okay. Like, you know, I don't, I'm not dismissing any of, if anyone out there is like, Oh, these are my favorite movies. I get it. Like, you know, yes. these are. And same, you know, opinions. What are, what are the Boulay brothers? The like, right. Like we're not here to judge your track. Track is an art form. Movies are art forms. We're not here to judge them. Like we're, but we will tell you our honest thoughts about them. I mean, yeah. that's why you're here. That's why we're here. But like, yeah, every, every Christmas movie is going to have its defender. So just have fun with us and don't get yeah. offended because I'm, I'm certainly going to look like a bad guy, I think, for a lot of this. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's very crazy to say that there are bad Christmas movies. There are no. absolutely bad Christmas movies that are fake and like are manipulative and just use the quote unquote Christmas spirit to try and like, you know, make you feel a type of way. Um, and then there are some that are really lovely and actually, I think, do get to the point and meaning of Christmas and all those wonderful good things all that being said gavin why don't we get into it and let's get into our rewrite so this rewind's gonna be i know you said it weird it's fine i said it I'm weird just, i'm just gonna move past it <laughs> okay well <laughs> must be um, the tequila sunrise or whatever the fuck this every, is. everyone look at louis Oh, you can't because it's a podcast. Mm. Um, unless you're on our Patreon. Yeah. Um, the uh, so this rewind's going to be a little weird. I have I have the pleasure of giving you that bit of the history. Uh, but here's the thing: uh, the '90s itself is not a genre. It is a time period, a set time period that actually occurred. And um, all of these Christmas movies, while they belong to the certain brotherhood of the fact that they are Christmas films or set around Christmas. That's pretty much what unites them. Christmas means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. We've sort of talked about the history of Christmas in general, both in our history, our Santa Claus on film episode and our holiday musical episodes. I would recommend maybe giving those a listen, just giving yourself a little refresh on those. Uh, But the 90s specifically is a very, I think, unique time, especially for America. And, And that's really the the avenue we're going to come in with because that's louis and i are both american and and that's sort of you know i think it's obvious for us to just stick to america for the most part i Um, am an american American. i I heard it in my head too the red Um, white and blue i do want to point everybody to by the way also i couldn't find too many sources specifically about christmas in the 90s but i did find a really great youtube video by a youtuber named uh intellectual media and that's i-n-t-e-l-e-x-u-a-l intellectual um and she's great it's a 27 minute video it literally just came out this month normally uh for this show i would while crediting take sound clips but i just think you should go and watch this video so when you're done with this episode just go watch that video it's a lot of fun she did a lot of research and she she reminded me of a lot of great stuff and i i don't 
for her specifically, I don't I don't feel like s- taking the the property because it's so new. Yeah. You know, it's you know, and it's it's something an independent person worked on. So l- I'm just going to point you in her direction. Uh but let's get started with our history. So uh, I think it's uh, important to remember at the beginning of the 90s in America, uh, we were in a recession and there was a lot of like messaging specifically about the fact that, uh, you know, Christmases were going to be light that year. Christmas, you know, everything was going to be it. And it wasn't about the money, you know, it shouldn't be about the money, which is, I think, really funny because I think. I think the thing that the people most know about the eighties and nineties is excess. Like, you know, eighties is, was really all about like, what can you have and what could make you look rich? And nineties, like really takes that to the next level because shortly after the recession, we hit kind of a boom time in money. You know, by 93, people are like really, really spending on Christmas. Um, And there's wild stats and figures um, it's something like 60% of, uh, all the video game uh, money spent on video games and toys were spent around Christmas time wow. in 1990. Um, and it's like some absorbent amount of money was spent on booze and Turkey. Um, same. So like, you know, Christmas is, uh, Christmas is a business, and I think I think that's the the other thing people like uh, the messaging of Christmas, especially in America, is uh, you know like it's about family and it's about getting together and it's about loving each other and whatnot. And it's not it's not the gift that that counts; it's the love behind it and whatnot. But I think to to exist in America and deny the fact that the other message of Christmas is actually like buy the expensive thing. You know who needs a car? Your significant other. My mom, I will admit, is one of those guilty people. And I think it's because she grew up not um, well off at all. And we grew up not well off. Uh, she's one of those people that goes crazy for Christmas. And so specifically me, I have a lot of anxiety about Christmas. And it's one of my least favorite holidays because I love the family aspect, but I hate the gifting aspect. I, I like, it's so materialistic. And so like, what did you get? And what, and like, I don't know. So all that to say 1990, a, a time in which the messaging is, you don't have to spend that much. You don't, you know. It's a it's a hard there's like wires cross because the messaging is it we, we haven't hit the back the backlash would be remember the reason for the season which happened like post 9/11 vibes right but in, in the 90s the message was always like family and you know being together yada 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 right but at the same time like if we're not in christmas land it's success and hustle and Wall Street and money and corporate America and capitalism. <clears throat> and I think we see that in a lot of our in the movies. And we have a lot of dads who are disaffected, don't give a fuck about Christmas, the spirit of Christmas, whatever the fuck. Um, but they're really good at their jobs. They're really good at we have at least two movies, Jingle All the Way and The Santa Claus, where they right. make toys. They are executives at toy companies. Um and they don't spend enough time with their kid in some situations. Right. Um, and there's tension in <laughs> and, and and this is not specific to Christmas movies. Like obviously, this right. is like a trope that happens all the time. But I think 
exploiting it for Christmas movies. Really fucking like the 90s was the time for it, baby. And I do like that you brought up the idea of the like, this is the reason for the season, which is like a very post 9-11 thing. Uh, I think the other thing to think about for the 90s, and I swear we're getting to movies, but I think the other thing to think about the 90s is Christmas. There's a real big push to make it a secular holiday, basically. Like, it's it's not a, you know, the the way Americans think about Chris, Christmas in, and you'll see it reflected in even some of the films, is not about Christian or Christ. or And I'm not going to talk too much about that because that's just not my field. But the... But the idea that, like, Christmas is just a, it's a fun family holiday that everyone celebrates. And, like, that's not the case. But, right. But it's, 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 it's like, sanding down the edges and trying to make it something much more universal. Right. It's, it's um, an American tradition. It's an American holiday. It's not a Christian holiday. It's an American holiday. And it doesn't right. matter what you believe in. The, the idea and the, quote, spirit of Christmas is all about being with your family reflecting on the year like behind you um you know the the things that are important in your life um and 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 you're right the bangers that we all remember yes i have nothing to do with the birth of christ (laughs) and any of that um stuff so i want to start with two of the bigger movies from 1990 um and obviously the aforementioned home alone was one of the biggest family hits of the year. I think it ended up being um, one of the biggest money-making comedies of that entire year. And also on the reverse of that, but I think shares more in common than would like to believe Die Hard 2 comes out in 1990. Yeah. Every year, every year, uh, whether you're online or not, there's a conversation about whether Die Hard 1 is a Christmas movie or not. Die Hard 1 comes out in 1988. Die Hard 2, the sequel, 1990, Fast Track, directed by Rennie Harlan. Um, And uh, it sees John McClane this time trying to pick his wife up in an airport in Washington, D.C. At the same time, there's a little Iran-Contra going on where there's a South American dictator who's being uh, sent to the U.S., um, and, and is attempting to be extracted by a rogue military group. And John McClane has to stop them and get his wife down from her circling airplane. Um, I think it's really funny. There is never any argument over whether Die Hard no. 2 is a Christmas movie. No. Uh, because it's not really. It's a movie set at Christmas. And there's a lot of references to Christmas. But it is it is the most like... Christmas is a setting film out of out of like any of the films we're probably going to talk about, but huge moneymaker, greatly successful. Um, you know, it. I think in the lineage of diehard movies, it's not remembered as everybody's favorite, though. After the last two, people have come more around right. to it. Um, one and three is sort of the ones that people really like. So to really hit the nail on the head here, do you think to qualify as a Christmas movie? the movie has to actually involve coming together for the celebration of Christmas, as opposed to being set around Christmas time. Like Die Hard 2 happens around Christmas time. Right. Um, What is the Gina Davis movie we talked about? The Long Um, Kiss Goodnight. The Long Kiss Goodnight. They're not coming together to celebrate, but it happens around Christmas time in 1996. I I think that gets into tricky territory. Because there's a movie I particularly really love that is technically a Christmas movie. And you could claim that maybe it's not people getting together for Christmas. But there is. There is. Because there's like celebration around Christmas. 
I don't, I don't know. That's a, I mean, it's, it's something to ponder because I would also say, yeah, Long Kiss Goodnight, another movie I like revisited a little bit for this. And I was like, yeah, fun action movie, a little homophobic. Um, yeah. But, but in the 90s, who like, wasn't? Yeah, exactly. It's the 90s. Everybody's gay and everybody hates them. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they, it's what made us who we are today. Okay. Exactly. You can't turn on an episode of Friends without someone being homophobic. Oh, yeah. So I just bring that up just like to ponder. To, to yeah, listeners, beca- ponder. Because <laughs> I do think like Die Hard 2 is not really a Christmas movie. I mean, there's fun to be had. There's, you know, a scene where he's crawling through some ducks very, mm-hmm. as like a nod to the first one. And he's like, could have been home eating a turkey yeah, around the yeah. tree. Like, yeah. This once like a regular, normal Christmas. Eggnog. Christmas tree, little turkey, but no, I had to crawl around this motherfucking tin can. I think it's like the straight man's like, well, did you know, actually, it's like, you know, and it, and that's fine. Have fun. Right. I don't, I don't care. Right. But I figure you would like to talk about Home Alone. I did not rewatch Home Alone. I will stand by. I've never particularly cared for either Home Alone movie. I just didn't when I was a kid. I've never gotten into them as an adult. I love Catherine O'Hara. I love uh, the John Candy stuff from from the airport. You know, I I love Marv and um, yeah, oh, Harry. Yeah, yeah Marvin Harry. But like, I don't want to spend that much time with Macaulay Culkin as a kid. Like, <laughs> I, I just don't. I rewatched both of them. You know, the first one I think is the true banger. Even though yes. I think I remember the second one more because I was older. The first one is really the original recipe and it like rewatching the second one you're, you can kind of see the seams they're like oh yeah his uncle has a house that's being renovated and that's how they redo the like right trappings of the first movie which is like lol if you focus on kevin and Catherine harris character his mom and like the tension that they have and the love that they have for each other even though like he's a bratty little snot-nosed kid who's like kind of an asshole and she is, you know, doing her best with this fucking crazy family. But, like, there is something quite beautiful. I also always forget that both of the movies are a Pussycat Dolls, be careful what you wish for situation. <laughs> oh, that's because- right. In the first one, he's like, I wish they would all go Disappear. away. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. And he says something similar to that effect in the second in one. In the second he- one, he's like, I wish Donald I- Trump would let me into Trump Tower so exactly. we could film there. Exactly. No, he says, um, I wish I could go on vacation by myself is what he says, I think. Oh, and and he, he gets to do that. Um, And so in both instances, he wishes for something, which is also a very Christmas thing, making wishes and whatever. Right. Um, I also do like there are parts to like I, I really enjoyed in the first one. The old man who he's scared of next door. Yeah, it's very lovely. And and, you know, a very 90s thing was when kids were teaching adults things. Um, yes. I think it works better in the first one. The second one, it's the fucking, you know, unhoused woman, pigeon lady, which is like, don't enough. Like (laughs) it's enough, but they are undeniable. I said this during both our Catherine O'Hara and John. They are undeniable bops of movies. Super fun. Um, Don't think too hard on it. And I think I thought a little too hard on the second one, especially because of all (laughs) like the money and like the whole gag of like, the FAO Schwartz stand-in toy store. The owner's like, all the money from today is actually going to a children's hospital. And it's like, 
okay that's not real babe <laughs> like that's not real uh, yeah um that new york is not real new york is a big thing in in christmas movies of the 90s as well absolutely it's where santa lives oh that's it seems to be right like it's where, it's where he gets out of macy's and starts <laughs> delivering toys two things before we move off home alone um one macaulay culkin just received a star on the hollywood walk of fame when you receive a star on the hollywood walk of fame you are allowed to bring two people to speak and one of the people he invited was Catherine O'Hara. Darling. After Home Alone opened, I went to see it uh, at a Saturday matinee in a theater packed with shiny, happy children and their parents. And it was thrilling for all of us. But at one point, I saw two boys get up out of their seats, so not wanting to leave the movie. But after having already sucked back their giant sodas, they really had to go. So they started running up the aisle, and then suddenly panicked that they might miss something great. They turned around, looked back at the screen, and one of them said, it's okay, no, it's just a mom. <laughs> and they kept running. I say, bright boys. We all wanted to be as clever as Kevin McAllister was. We all wanted to be as independent, and we all wanted to like be able to tell lies as easily as Kevin could. Um, so I, to, you know, to that, I tip my, my jolly Christmas hat to um, Macaulay Culkin. Um, and then the other thing I just want to bring up is uh, Ken Hudson Campbell, who plays Santa Claus in the first uh, Home Alone movie. He is a, a, a veteran of the Chicago comedy scene and everything. Uh, his daughter just put out the other day that he is suffering from cancer of the jaw. They're going to have to remove part of his jaw. And uh, she started a GoFundMe. Lots of people, uh, famous people, Steve Carell donated and whatnot. Wow. Um, I, you know, just as a thought of something you might want to donate to. Am I miss? San- he plays Santa Claus in the first Home Alone movie. Yes, he's like the kid with the, without the beard, and he's like smoking a cigarette. Do you not remember? Like, yes, 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 yes. yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Can I talk to you for a minute? Yeah, if you make it quick, Santa's got a little get together he's late for. Okay, I know you're not the real Santa Claus. What makes you say that? Just out of curiosity. I'm old enough to know how it works. All right. But I also know that you work for him. Very funny, an incredibly funny guy. You know, he is uh, only, he's in his early 60s. It'd be terrible if we lost him to cancer that young. So just something to think about in this holiday season. Um, But yeah, the next big uh, Christmas movie, I think I told you to watch this. um, And I don't know if you had a chance to. In 1991, there's a movie called All I Want for Christmas that came out. Um, this, I, I remember seeing this on like TBS, TNT, something as a kid and loving this movie, a movie in which Laura Birch and Ethan Embry decide to try and parent trap their recently divorced parents back together. Their mother is a rich woman who lives with her mother played by Lauren Bacall and their father is a man who decided to throw caution to the wind and open a diner in new york city downtown can you believe and now the parents are divorced and his the mother is uh engaged to kevin nealon from snl uh playing the the squarest of all squares um i rewatched this movie because i remember i have such good fond memories of this movie this movie's bad this movie is really (laughs) bad i did i was like these rich people have no real problems. Also, I think it's a terrible idea to tell children that if they just wish hard enough, their divorced parents will get back together, will fall in love with each other again. I <laughs> I was like, 
what? Um, Leslie Nielsen plays Santa Claus in this movie, and he's, as you were saying, the Macy's Santa Claus. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, you find out, spoiler alert, he's the real Santa Claus. Yeah, he's a, he, yeah, Leslie does a little tip spot. I don't think he was like even... No, he's got two scenes. He's And two of them are seated. So, yeah. Like... yeah. <laughs> I had not seen this movie or heard of this movie. Um, I, I think it's a deep cut. I think um, I was charmed by how insular this movie feels. This movie feels yeah. like it was made for the New York girlies. Yeah. It's a Gossip Girl vibe scenario because... It, it is, like, made by two of the creators of the TV show 30-something, which you're perhaps too young for the TV show 30-something, but that would, that'll would make sense to a portion of our audience, I'm sure. I remember, I, I never watched it, but I know what 30-something is. And, I, yeah, I mean, that that's exactly the vibe, though, because it's, like... No one outside of New York would understand, like, wait, your parents got divorced because your dad wanted to open a restaurant. Right. And, like, in a place in the same city. It's in the same city, but, like, she's uptown and he wants to be downtown. And that's so right. crazy. I think Thora Birch is only good when she's a child. So <laughs> she is... she's great. I think both her and Ethan Embry are really fun in it. But I will say, like, th- I mean, this movie is really rushed, and I think you can tell, too. I mean, at the end of the movie, there's this snow scene, and they had to cart in thousands of pounds of uh, instant mashed potato flakes. Oh. And you can tell, because it's, like, landing on them, and it looks like strips. It doesn't yeah. look like snow. And it looks delicious. <laughs> it looks delicious, and I just want to add a little water yeah. and some butter. And that's <laughs> like, it. Um, um, I... I I I think I was, you know, charmed by it. I don't think I was as like, you know, oh, this is bad in the way that you felt about it. Just but mostly because I had I hadn't seen it before and I was like, okay, it's definitely from a time and place. And like, you know, I do like that the, the brother and sister, they're very like have each other's yeah. back. Like that's a nice relationship. Um it's sweet, if not completely ridiculous. Allie, do you think I'm kidding? Well, I'm not. I'm not kidding, okay? Look, you can't go off alone in this city. You gotta promise me that, Hallie. Do you hear me, Hallie? Do you hear me? me. Hallie, look, okay? Don't ever do this. You've gotta promise me that. I had to say, and this is special. Not all mom and dad should get back together, but I should. And it's Christmas, and he's sad, and I just had to see him. He said I just had to. Other 1992 a uh, really amazing film. Batman it's a big Returns. year, 1992. Yeah. 1992 is a big year. I think Home Alone in 1990 just really popped off in such a way. Like the culture was now every year we need to have a family, right? You know, scenario. Well, that uh, for that's Christmas. absolutely what all I want for Christmas was banking on was the the uh, you know that audience because it was a movie that was made in like six months it had like a six month turnaround it went from like writing to casting to acting to to out into and, the world yeah and, and, and there's like kid antics that you know they they throw the mice in the thing and then like they kidnap kevin nealon like you know it's antics um home alone 2 literally same blueprint um yeah. but yeah in 1982 after Home Alone 2, there was this, you said Batman Returns. Like Batman talk- Returns. So Batman Returns is a little column A, a little column B. Is, is it for the kids? Maybe not. The penguin bites somebody's nose. Uh, but uh, it's certainly for, for the dads in the audience. And I'm fine with that. I love... Uh, dads. I've talked about... Yeah, I love dads. Um, <laughs> honestly, I've been Christmas shopping. And you know what? 
it's a good time of year for it. Uh, but uh, the yeah, the I mean, I love Batman Returns. Batman Returns is so dark and deep and kinky and twisted and fun and like not really like an action movie, even though it's got action movie tropes in it. Um, and I, we've talked about it on our Tim Burton episode. We talked about it on our Michael Keaton episode. We talked about it on our Michelle Pfeiffer episode. I gave it my five star review on Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, I will say, you know, the, the, there are people that would be like, is it a Christmas movie? I would argue and say, yes, it's very much like the, there's the whole, you know, like Max Shrek is, wants to be evil Santa Claus. Um, there's the whole idea of, uh, falling in love and finding, you know, a new family in, in between Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle, which I think it really plays into those themes. There's, um, I mean, the visuals though, like they're fighting around like oh, the yeah. toys and the Christmas trees. The giant like- Christmas trees, so much of it takes place at Christmas tree lighting. Um, yeah, Batman Returns is just truly my, my favorite. And yeah, you love her. You love her a lot. I do. And basically, we're going to have to get to a Danny DeVito episode at some point so yeah. I can talk about it again. Yeah. Also that year, though, another movie we both love, Muppet Christmas Carol. Muppet Christmas Carol. Absolutely. Which we uh, have talked about. There are one billion adaptations of A Christmas Carol. It's one of the most heavily adapted uh, novellas into a film ever. I stand by the fact that I think Muppet Christmas Carol is perhaps maybe the best of all of those adaptations correct it's absolutely a banger the songs are good michael kane is amazing yeah oscar um, oscar um gonzo as charles dickens inspired i like, know it, rizzo i mean it's just funny and so they arrived in ebenezer scrooge's childhood that was the worst trip of my life <laughs> well it's over now yeah safe at last Watching a lot of these movies and I was just like, God, so, a lot of the humor, um, especially in the kids arena, we don't get too much anymore. A lot of like Disney stuff now is just terribly bland um, and in an effort to recreate magic like this is just like trusting, like trust the kids, trust the kids yeah. to like be silly and have fun. And I'm up at they'll Christmas get Carol. it and they'll appreciate it. Yeah. And I'm up at Christmas Carol just like trusts the audience so much. Um, go back to that episode if you want to hear more about that. It's just it's it's oodles of fun. It's on Disney Plus. Like you have no excuse. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's truly worth a watch. And as somebody who sounds very cold and heartless when it comes to Christmas, like I truly do love I'm up at Christmas Carol. It's really great. So. Yeah. Um, before we move off 92, I just today rewatched for the first time in a billion years was uh, To Grandmother's House We Go, the um, <laughs> Mary Kate and Ashley TV movie. Honestly, Gavin, I'm so sorry. I was like, one day we're going to have to do a Mary Kate and Ashley episode. Um, I mean, you could get a guest host for that. That's fine. <laughs> Listeners, you heard it here first. We will be doing Mary Kate and Ashley in the year of our Lord 2024. Um, but yeah, it'll be a short be- episode i'll tell you that <laughs> it will be their movies are like 65 minutes long um yeah it's just, Hustle- I'm just my five star review is just gonna be that slowed down video of them talking about pizza <laughs> pizza <laughs> incredible <laughs> incredible um 
93, I mean, it'd be hard to talk about a movie about uh, a episode about movies in the 90s Christmas without bringing up The Nightmare Before Christmas. You know, I, I would say Tim Burton gave a lot to Christmas in the 90s between some would argue Edward Scissorhands is a Christmas movie. I don't see it that way. It's like a winter movie. It's like a fun. Mm-hmm. It's a winter movie, but it's not yeah. really about Christmas. Batman Returns, obviously very Christmas. Nightmare Before Christmas, a movie he produces, he wrote, uh, directed by Henry Selick, just so people know that we know that it wasn't directed by Tim Burton. We're not dumb, guys. Yeah, we're not dumb. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, we are dumb. <laughs> oh, we're so stupid. Oh, my God. <laughs> so sorry you've been listening to us for this long. Um, I, do you do you remember when? when I mean, because you're younger than I. I saw, so I got to see The Nightmare Before Christmas. They used to do this like sneak preview thing where you paid for one movie and you could stay to see a second. And it was like an, a movie that wasn't out yet. Oh. And so I saw Beauty and the Beast in the theaters. And then there was a sneak preview of Nightmare Before Christmas. And let me tell you, in 1993, when I was 10, 9 or 10, I did not understand what I was watching. <laughs> I was like, what is this? Yeah. What is no. this weirdo shit? I mean, what's this? What's this? Yeah. Um, I was Jack Skellington. Yeah. You know, and But that's the kind of like the magic of that movie. In the same way that I felt when I first saw Kiki's Delivery Service, which is the yeah. first Miyazaki film I saw, it was like, what is this? What is this style? What is this? Yeah, it's this brand new thing for you. And it, and it like... Yeah. And, not to get too esoteric about it, but it feels like it's opening up pathways in your brain and it's like yes. giving you ideas about like what's possible. Yes. Uh, you know, it, it, because I, you know, I'd seen claymation before, but never claymation like that and never with, with such a specific style that, that was like really rooted in one person's um, imagination and whatnot. For those of you out there who don't know, um, Nightmare Before Christmas is a, a movie about uh, Jack Skellington, who is the head of Halloween Town, not the mayor. There's a different character who's a mayor. Um, he's the pumpkin king of Halloween Town. And he wanders into the woods one day and discovers that there's all these other holiday doors and he gets sucked into the Christmas store. And uh, he's also like a little tired of how like he's like, Ugh, same thing every year, whatever. And uh, he wants to experience something new and experience something different. And it's one of those, like, it's Wizard of Ozzy, where it's like, he wants this thing, and it doesn't turn out right, and he should have known that the thing that he loves was in his backyard the entire time. Yeah, uh, you're, you're completely right, though. And I think that's the magic of movies, though. It's like when you discover the a thing, and it's like, holy shit. And, and even when it's wrong, like, obviously, there's right. animation before this. Obviously, there was like, you know movies from japan that look like kiki's delivery source before i saw that but it's like you're discovering something and it's like i when i first saw this movie i was just like what is the style what is the storytelling what is what do you mean you can make a movie about christmas but it's also about halloween and what do you mean it can be scary and frightening and it can look this way um and that's why it's exciting and that's why this movie has stood the test of time like there's this movie, like, probably makes more money off merch these days than like the actual oh, yeah. movie. And and like, literally, I I mean, I I truly hope Tim Burton's just like living on a yacht or whatever from because it's 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 not even just like I think you know you would think like oh it's hot topic, but it's not. It's like fucking Dwayne Reed. It's Walgreens. It's everywhere. You know. Yeah. It's, I mean, this movie made culture though, like because yeah. fashion was inspired by this. Like, and of course you can 
go out and buy the Jack Skellington like cosplay stuff. But like literally though, like there's I think, you know, and I'm not a fashion expert at all, but like <laughs> at all. Louis, Louis Rendon, fashion expert. Um, but Just you walking in a room is going, that's a lot of look. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, wearing like black and white striped pants. Um, but like <laughs> it, it did influence, you know, punk culture and like emo culture, which was on the rise in the 90s. Um, and, and people still wear today, you know. So uh, the music of this movie, fucking so phenomenal. Good. Um, there's a oh reason why they, they do it the Hollywood Bowl. Yeah. Catherine O'Hara, oh. hello. R.I.P. Paul Rubens. I know, Paul Rubens. Um, this is Denny Elfman shit, okay? Yeah. And like it's it's just peak. Peak. Uh and and again, another movie that's just like you put it on at your Christmas party and it's just a good time. You don't have to pay attention yeah. to the whole thing. It's just a good time. It's um, great visuals. Yeah. yeah. It's it's and like truly, you know, it, it combines the two things. I, I mean, I think I think Tim Burton even said that, like, you know, Halloween is Danny Elfman's territory. Christmas is his territory. Like, it's the two things they love. Yeah. It's, you know, it's combining things that I really like. Halloween, adding that gothic spice to um, all of the, the the trappings of Christmas. And I, that- and I do think there's room for that, you know, because there's so much small sweetness of like, yeah. Oh, you know, like oh, it's the holiday. Everybody's cheerful. Yeah. It's nice to have a counterbalance. Is that your, um, spice girl name? Gothic spice. Yeah, of course. Uh, is that, isn't that Ben de la creme? Uh, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that... You're right. It was something like that. Something like that. Yeah. What's this? What's this? There's color everywhere. What's this? There's white things in the air. What's this? I can't believe my eyes. I must be dreaming. Wake up, Jack. This isn't fair. What's this? 1994, Miracle on 34th Street remake. Uh, Huge. Huge. We we talked about this movie quite a bit, I feel like, in our Santa Claus on Film episode. Mara Wilson, uh, Richard Attenborough, who is, like, honestly, the perfect casting as Santa Claus. Like, just truly a great performance. Um, but if, but another like co-written by John Hughes. Like if we grew up with Macaulay Culkin as our '90s boy, our '90s girl was Mara Wilson. Like yes, between Mrs. Doubtfire, um, Matilda, and this, it was like chokehold. Um, on, yeah, and 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 this movie, it, you know, and again, creating culture. Like there's a reason why we still wake up and to do the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, and you know this movie really leans into all of that american mythology um right and and listen like there there are i feel like this movie i i don't think this movie is as good as the 1947 film but i will say i feel like this movie fights the argument of like when people are like don't remake good movies remake the bad ones or remake the ones that people haven't seen so you can bring something new to them i i feel like you know 1947 to what 94 like is enough time to remake something that you know and it it is i hate to say it because i loved black and white movies as a kid but i think it's hard to get a kid to watch a black and white movie and i feel like this is a a good version of it you know yeah it's totally solid you know like it's sweet um she is so good and so charming um, I think when, they, uh, when she does the beard pull, I, oh my God. Also in 1994, a film that we've talked about a couple times, uh, Mixed Nuts, which is a Nora Ephron film. It is um, uh, both Parker Posey and Juliette Lewis are in it. I rewatched it for this. You know, this was a movie not well received. I, 
I think that is maybe a rep- undeserved reputation. I think it's actually a very funny movie. Um, it's a it's a film about a suicide hotline mm-hmm. um, run by Steve Martin, um, who uh, works there with Rita Wilson and Madeline Kahn. Uh, their building is being basically sold out from under them by their terrible landlord, played by Gareth Shan- Shandling. And it's Christmas Eve, and it's all the antics that they get up to during that evening. Um, Juliet Lewis and Anthony LaPaglia play this uh, really, like, temporary couple. Toxic couple. Yeah, Juliet Lewis's Gracie character is pregnant. Um uh, Adam Sandler works in the building. Adam Sandler is most annoying. Sorry. Um, and then <laughs> Liev Schreiber gets in the mix playing a character named Chris. Uh, she's a trans woman. And I think the thing that surprises me every time I watch this movie is it's not the most sensitive portrayal. A lot of the jokes are like, oh my God, that, you know, that's not a real woman. I think both Liev Schreiber's portrayal is actually very sensitive and sweet. And I think the the relationship she has both with Adam Sandler, but also she has a brief like relationship sort of with Steve Martin, where, you know, when he thinks nobody's watching, like she wants to dance with him. And he's such a nice guy that at first he's like, okay, but he's like leaning far away. So, so he's not touching her. And then slowly he like comes around and shows like what a good dancer he is. That scene is so funny, but also like, really sweet in a weird way because i think even without realizing it it is like a, a character accepting her now the moment madeline khan wakes up and sees them dancing he like is like oh no like that's not but i i don't know i i found something really special in that scene in particular that i hadn't um i don't think i had previously yeah i would argue that like for the time that portrayal is quite sensitive and good i even though the jokes are there it's this is fucked up, but like it doesn't feel mean, right? It, it feels like they don't know. They, they don't, don't know. Yeah, they don't. They don't get it. And you're right. Like, Niamh Shriver's performance is not for a joke. Like, right? It's you know that this person has dignity. Everyone else just doesn't know how to like communicate, and and they're scared. Vibes. Is it right? No, but it is a lot um better than uh a lot of other portrayals at this time well uh let me offer you one last piece of advice uh, before you have to leave did you uh bring a coat or anything just my cape ah have you ever heard of the greater orange county mambo contest of 1968 well i was scared to enter it and yet i did and i won first prize dancing with my sister and from that moment on i have never worried for one second about anyone's opinion and neither should you you mean you wouldn't hesitate to dance even with me absolutely not do you have music to be clear she calls because she wants to kill herself yes and she calls and wants the address because she wants someone to talk to i wanted to like it more than i did it's not it's not amazing, I will say. And I and I do think a, a lot of the criticisms are fair. I think there's a lot of parts I like much more than the whole. I thought it was very fine. For a Nora Ephron effort, I was kind of like, hmm. 
Yeah. It's not her strongest. And it came after Sleepless in Seattle, which we just talked about last week. And so I think people really thought the highs of Sleepless in Seattle were going to transfer onto this movie. And she chose to do this kind of... um, It's dark. It's dark, but it's also this, like, big ensemble comedy based off a French film. Like, it's... And you're right. I think in the end, the curse is it's, it's too many moving parts. I would also like to talk about Another comedy from uh, 1994 before the comedy from 1994 you really want to talk about. And that's just a quick stop at the movie called Trapped in Paradise. (laughs) Trapped in Paradise is a movie in which three criminals, uh, Nick Cage, John Lovitz, and Dana Carvey, rob a small town bank and then can't get out of the town. And everybody's so nice to them. And they learn the meaning of Christmas. Yes, basically. Um not a good movie. Holy uh, boy. Dana Carvey is doing something. I, I'd, I'd actually read somewhere that the Fox executives flew to uh, the set of the movie to ask him to stop doing that voice. And Nick Cage kept encouraging him to do it. I've also heard that George Gallo, uh, who is the director, um, didn't really direct the movie. And John Lovitz had said that Nick Cage actually ended up directing most of the scenes because uh, this director just wouldn't. George Gallo. But I... <laughs> The one thing I just want to bring up uh, is their mother is played by Florence Stanley, who is a a classic character actress. So good. You would recognize her from so many things of voiceover work. I think she's in Atlantis, the Lost Empire. And um, she was on the TV show, My Two Dads. And like, just you would. She's hilarious. Yes. She's so fucking funny in this movie. (laughs) Mom! What? What? What are you doing here? I'm being held hostage on the night baby Jesus was born. What the hell does it look like? Uh, Yeah, I watched that today, and that was a choice I made. And I have to live with that. I'm I'm a little surprised you even watched it. Why don't we talk about the real thing that you want to talk about from 1994? And that would be a little film called The Santa Claus, starring Tim Allen. You know, it is so tragic that Tim Allen is now not a good person. Honestly, I don't know if he was a good person back then. I was going to say, I I don't don't think he ever was. I don't know any of those details. It is, I mean, Casey Wilson just came out with this thing about how he was an asshole on set of the Santa Clauses or whatever the fuck the show yeah, is called the, now. the TV show continuation. Um, which is just like a bummer, dude. Like, Tim Allen, to me, exists in the cinematic universe of, like, um, our dads. Our dads yeah. on film, you know, like Tom Hanks. And Tom Hanks, this whole thing is that he's famously nice. When I think about Tom Hanks, I think about like professional, like he's, he's talks about like, yes, beyond time, beyond time, know your lines. And I'm like, why the fuck isn't Tim Allen like this? Tim Allen's whole brand is this. And yet it's not the truth. The truth right. is he's, he's probably more like Calvin than he is the Santa Claus in this movie. Um, <laughs> and for you guys that don't know, Calvin is um, this dad who um, is sad because he, doesn't get to see his kid enough and his ex-wife is about to get married to a guy who wears ugly sweaters and played by judge reinhold yes played by judge reinhold um he is a a toy executive and he you know loves getting lit doesn't know how to make a turkey um takes his kid to a denny's for christmas dinner um and all he wants is chocolate milk but plain is fine (laughs) that kid is so good um and and uh but murders santa claus and has to become the new santa claus uh yeah i watched this movie a lot as a kid and i watched it again um this year and 
God damn it, it's still fun. It's I think it's still good. We we talked about it at our Santa Claus on film episode. Um and um yeah, I think there's a reason for it. I think it's like a silly billy fun thing. I think when you can add lore to a thing that makes sense, like it's an easy buy-in. Oh, did well, that's, Santa- I, I I truly think the staying power of the movie is it's such a smart but simple concept. Correct. The idea that like if Santa Claus, yeah, if Santa Claus exists, it's because he has had all these different people be him over time. Did you or did you not read the card? Yeah, I read the card. Then you're the new Santa. In putting on the hat and jacket, you accepted the contract. You're you're a businessman, right? Yeah. Okay. A clause, as in the last line of a contract, the Santa Claus. And putting on the suit and entering the sleigh, the wearer waves any and all rights to any previous identity, real or implied, and fully accepts the duties and responsibilities of Santa Claus in perpetuity until such time that wearer becomes unable to do so by either accident or design. What does that mean? It means you put on the suit, you're the big guy. I like the fact that there's, like, a darkness to this. Yes. Like, you know, that there, there was an accident. Santa right. died. And this other person had to take his place. The tension of, I want to be a good dad. What do I think it means to be a good dad? There is a whole bit of this movie where his ex-wife and judge try and get Charlie taken away from him via the court system. Yeah. Because this man believes that he is Santa Claus and he is unfit to be a father. Um, And the heart of this movie is Calvin becoming a good a better father and what does that mean it means believing in your kid it means yeah. believing in the, your family and to do that in this through the lens of this movie is believing in the spirit of christmas believing in santa um and believe and i i mean it's just genius like the elves are kids like that's genius yeah you know and it's better um, and we talked about that in our santa claus on film episode yeah it's a better representation for the elves than a lot of movies about santa claus yeah, and it's funny, it's silly, it's, you know, the movie trusts itself, and it trusts that the audience will, will be along for the ride. Um, it's clever, um, and again, adding to the lore. I think, like, it, it goes off the rails pretty quickly in the sequels. I think Unfortunately, that's... I love this movie, and I think a lot of people, <laughs> and, and I think a lot of people do too, and there's a reason why Disney Plus keeps pushing it, and Home Alone, like, these are classics that are going to be with us forever. Yeah. Um, 1995, uh, one of the few rom-coms we're going to get a chance to talk about, While You Were Sleeping. Mm-hmm. I love this movie. We have an entire Sandra Bullock episode you can go listen to. This movie is fucked up, uh-huh. but in the, in the best way possible. Um, Sandra Bullock plays a, a, a attendant at the subway system in Chicago or the elevated train system in Chicago. Um, she's created this whole fantasy life where she's fallen in love with Peter Gallagher. And one day she watches him get pushed onto some tracks and saves him. And he goes into a coma and she brings him to the hospital. And at the hospital, the nurse mistakenly tells his family she's his fiance. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't immediately say, no, I'm not. <laughs> She's living the fantasy, babe, okay? She's, yeah. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately for her, uh, his brother, played by Bill Pullman, shows up. And he is actually a person who is compatible with her. He's yeah, salt Bill, of the Bill earth Pullman, like an- she is. Another one of America's dads. Yes. Sorry. But also, like, so sexy. That lean. Yes! The scene, the scene with the lean, like... 
He's where he ex- Yeah. Oh my God. Where he's like, no, hugging is like touching and whatnot, but leaning is moving your whole body. It's I was just like, ha, huh, what is ha? Huh? <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Yes, Mr. President. <laughs> like, very that. Okay. Uh- my favorite. In all honesty, it's it's a comedy. There's a lot of falling down. There's so much falling down. So much. Um, it's romantic. My favorite scene actually doesn't even involve Bill Pullman. It's Sandra Bullock talking to Saul, who is uh, Peter Gallagher's Jewish godfather. <laughs> um, and he like tells her, because he's overheard her, that in no, not too many words that he knows... Are you, uh, I mean, are your parents with you? No, no, my, my mom died when I was really young. And uh, a couple years ago, my dad got sick. And uh, we moved from Indiana to Chicago so we could go to a research hospital. Research? A medical term for very expensive, huh? Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I, I had to quit school and I started working for the CTA. And um, about a year ago, he decided he had had enough research and uh, he passed away. My wife of 51 years passed away two years ago, February the 9th. Sorry. Lucy, the Callahans, well, they took me in as part of their family. I'd never let anyone hurt them. Neither would I. I believe you wouldn't. Yeah. And that's what this movie's really about, is, like, finding a family. And that's all that needs to be said between them. It's yeah. so beautiful. Yeah. Um, super fun. They have invented an entire genre around this. It's called hallmark netflix all the (laughs) rom-com holiday movies like this yeah but this was 15 years before they really got to that so that's you know 1996 brings a plethora of christmas movies aforementioned jingle all the way um a movie about a a dad who's bad because he never keeps his promises to his family so he's gonna go crazy and try and find this toy that his kid wants um what's funny about this is uh it kind of predicts did the Tickle Me Elmo sensation. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't remember that Tickle Me Elmo was started because of Rosie O'Donnell. Like she had the Tickle Me Elmo on her show that everybody wanted it and it was nuts. There was stories of, of Black Friday, people snatching it out of other people's carts and their hands and people beating each other up for it. And it, it like swept the nation. This movie actually occurred before then. And it, it's based on you know, there were other toy crazes before, but I, f- I feel like Tickle Me Elmo, which was also in the 90s, was the pinnacle of this. And this movie sort of predicted that his son wants this Turbo Man action figure and Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, the only seven foot muscle bound Austrian in all of Minneapolis, mm-hmm. is going to get it for him when he's fucking dressed as Turbo Man at the end of the movie. And he's like, I'm your father. <laughs> like, and they're like. It's you? Yeah, yeah. It's I like, was like, oh, okay. you don't know. Hello? You, this, this man, you don't regular, like, ugh. Um, I, quite like, talk about, I quite like oh, this movie. Oh, do you really? Oh, then, uh, then I'm going to have it out now. This movie's bad. Don't watch it. <gasps> don't show your children. It's full of the worst messaging ever. The only good thing in this movie is Phil Hartman. It bums me out that Phil Hartman, it's his final film. But this movie is everything bad about Christmas. Wait, who does Phil Hartman play? He's the the divorced dad from next door. You like him? Ew, that character sucks. He's great. He's so funny. And I also love the fact that, like, um, I think his name's Ted. um, When he brings the reindeer over and his son's like, 
I, I named him Ted after my dad, who's the coolest. And um, when Arnold Schwarzenegger calls, he's like, where's your mother? And he's like, <laughs> uh, she's probably petting Ted. Yeah. I was yeah, like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. I, Gavin, something is wrong and broken inside you. No, it's all, something's wrong and broken inside of you. This movie <laughs> is all, is everything bad about Christmas. There's a fucking Rodney King joke in this movie. One of the kids, one of the kids, there when is. they beat up that pink mammoth looking motherfucker calls oh, the, him a fag the sidekick slur. what's the sidekick's name it's like it's something stupid simon or something i don't know <laughs> I, I love you just like said a name simon Ugh, it's simon dumb, dumb name um what i liked about this movie is that even though it has the trappings of capitalism is you know blah all that stuff which i hate um uh, in the end, it's not about the toy, right? Like, even though he's gone through all this rigmarole for the toy, in the end, it's like the dad has showed up for the kid. And like, and all he had to do was literally put on a super suit that actually works. I didn't. I mean, so, yes. But also, like, he he doesn't do it on purpose, right? Like, he's not like, <laughs> he's not like, oh, I better be Turbo Man now. It's like antics. It's like dumb antics where they're like. Right. So he's not even a good dad because he didn't even have a plan. <laughs> they're like, oh, our stunt guy got sick. Thank God you're here. And he's like, what? I don't know what's happening. Um, <laughs> Which is how he spends the whole movie. Like, what is going on? Yeah, Just give I, me the doll. <laughs> but it I, it worked for me. I don't know. I, I was he's, like, And he's so bad in it. He is so bad. He can't land a single joke in the movie. Where's your Christmas spirit? That's better. Now, there must be a terrible man around here somewhere. The last one just left. Maybe I am broken. I was just like, <laughs> I hadn't seen this movie in a long time, but I remember it being a classic. I think I thought the ant, like the bits were funny. I laughed. I was like, it's fucking crazy that the he's in an Iron Man suit essentially for the last 15 minutes. And I'm like, Slay. It's very um, like Looney Tunes. Like the bomb goes off and the police officer's like, Bleh. it's like, it's that level of like stupid, which I kind of like. Sorry, sorry. Mixed reviews. The reviews are mixed. <laughs> well, then I want to continue this thought process because one of the other classics from 1996 is Santa with Muscles with Hulk Hogan. I didn't see it, but I saw that it existed, and I was like, oh, I think I'm missing out something good here. <laughs> I don't know if good is the right word. But uh, he plays a uh, a, a businessman uh, who has branded himself across, like, every possible, like, he sells, like, uh, vitamin supplements and, and cereals. And, um, and then he gets amnesia at one point while dressed as Santa and believes he's Santa and saves an orphanage. Um, sure. Yeah. Ed Begley Jr. is the villain in this movie. Also, for some reason, the villains in this movie are like actual comic book villains. There's like a poison ivy lady with electric gloves. Why are there super villains in this movie? <laughs> um, I was. It was all very confusing to me. Well, this is um, also the '90s when like everything was extreme. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of can't act, Hulk Hogan can't sure. like can't deliver a joke. I will. I will only give a shout out to um, the fact that it was Mila Kunis's first movie. Mm. She's one of the she's one of the kids at the orphanage, um, and Robin Curtis plays the like woman who runs the orphanage. And Robin Curtis is Savik 
from Star Trek 3 and ah. Star Trek 4. Wow. <laughs> so important. <laughs> important. Um, but also uh, The Preacher's Wife comes out in 1996, which I actually do think is an important Christmas movie. Like, Yeah. I, I had never seen it and I watched it for this. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, oh, I, I watched it. I think I watched it for holiday musicals. Um, so I didn't rewatch it for this. There's a lot of music in it. There's Obviously. a lot of music in I mean, it. You, exactly. You don't, you don't fucking hire Whitney Houston and not have her sing. Like, I laughed when they like, the girl playing the Virgin Mary is like, I can't go on for whatever fucking stupid reason. And when he's like, I guess I'll go on. It's like a bunch of kids and Whitney Houston. Um, <laughs> when she's on the stage at Jazzy's Club and she's like, no, no, music immediately <laughs> immediately perfect um i was like okay she didn't she didn't say no that hard it's uh, wild that she does queen of the night there though it, <laughs> it's, i got the stuff that you uh, want it's wild <laughs> she she basically does don't make me sing um, yes yeah, in this yeah. Movie. um i another movie i think i wanted to like more than i did i think it's endlessly charming i think whitney houston is a fucking star um I think she's a great actress. I think for me, it's a little too like family and like, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't love it, but I do think, I don't know. I would, hmm, I don't know. Cause I'm not religious at all either, but I feel like I would too sugary sweet for me, but I feel like I would rather show if I had kids, the preacher's wife, than jingle uh, all the way, jingle all the way. (laughs) Um, but maybe that's me. (laughs) <laughs> maybe that's i mean it's 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 cute i think it's just so i'll go around and play virgin mary <laughs> christ damn it i just don't know that this movie takes any stance for anything this is what when people are like don't remake the classics remake i don't think the bishop's wife really is that much of a classic either uh we didn't even talk about it in our Cary grant episode i don't believe and uh you know I, I do think, like, when I saw this movie, I was a little, like, I guess, like, I guess for, like, a remake, it's fine. But, like, I, but one, I don't know. It's I, a Penny I'm Marshall not, film. Not, yeah, I'm not putting up a strong uh, defense of it. But I will say this, you know, in defense, it looks like a movie. And not saying that none of these, because it's the 90s, these all still look like, like, even Santa with Muscles looked like a movie. And that is a movie that, like, nowadays would be dumped to a streamer and would look yeah. like it was shot on an iPhone. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's a beautiful looking movie. And yeah. I think, I think there is, I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the performances immensely. There's so many, ta- uh, um, Loretta Devine is in this. Um, there's, there's a lot of, like, I mean, Courtney B. Vance, who plays the preacher, there's a scene where he gets into his pajamas and I'm like, sir, <laughs> so handsome. Um, everyone in this movie is a star. I just think like it's a little bit like, oh, through the magic of like prayer and asking nicely. Yeah. Corporate America says that's fine. That's disingenuous. You know, like. But you know it, what? You can also ask Santa to get your parents back together. So. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it, yeah, the whole vibe of, of a, lot, a yeah. lot of these is like, if you pray hard enough, if you believe hard enough, and it's like, unfortunately, the world does not work that way, baby, they would have a Jamba Juice right all up in that <laughs> fucking church, okay? That's over. You see what you did? It's not about me, Amy. You and Julia would have these problems even if I never showed up. You've forgotten what's important for you and for her. And you're going to remind me, I'm sure. St. Matt's is more than just a church, Henry. 
It's the glue that holds everything together in this neighborhood, and you mark my word. Without it, this neighborhood will fall. I guarantee it. And Julia will never look at you the same. It is a classic for a reason, and I think Whitney Houston is a big part of that reason. She's phenomenal. I do want to give a small shout-out. There's a short film that comes at the... uh, tail end in the 90s that is jesus versus santa claus and it is what spawns south park and it is you know so that's what we you know we have to thank the or thank (laughs) Uh, we have to we have to coexist in the world in which the jesus versus santa claus short led to south park but uh 1998 sees uh i'll be home for christmas the jonathan taylor thomas vehicle um it is a bomb but you clearly saw it in the theaters I, I, it must have just been like the the magic that JTT had over millennials in the 90s. We would follow him wherever he went. Um, Lion King, Home it's, Improvement. <laughs> like it was just. I mean, it's and it's another like Disney funded joint, essentially. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, he plays a, a prep school kid because it's not technically college. I was trying to figure this out. The Is movie it not was, college? Yeah, the movie was written as though it was college. But then they cast him and he was like too young. So it's kind of like a a cross-country prep school, I guess, technically. Sure. Which is why there's lockers and whatnot. Um, That's right. Yeah. But uh, he doesn't want to go home for Christmas because he's bitter boots about the fact that his dad remarried 10 months after his mom died. Um, and his dad's like, if you can make it here by Christmas Eve at 6 p.m., I'll give you the caddy we've been working on. It'll be all yours. And he's kind of a selfish guy to begin with. So he's like, deal. Um, and he's trying to get Jessica Biel to go with him. But he also like pisses another guy off because he's dating Jessica Biel. And that guy plans his revenge by ruining some tests that he sold to some other guys. So they leave him in the middle of the desert dressed as Santa Claus with a super glued beard and a super glued hat. Which, by the way, like attempted murder. <laughs> like first, right away. First of all, attempted murder. Second of all, the product does not work that well no not on the, like your face secretes oils um yeah uh yeah he's a scammer is the vibe and yeah. and he gets caught and so and whatever he 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 buys tickets to go to like cancun or something and is like right. come on jessica Bia, let's go have fun for christmas and but she's a good christian woman and it, <laughs> and she's like i just want traditions i want traditional va- family values Let's go home. And and then it's just a road movie from there. He's yeah. just bouncing around. like Try, Trying to get home in yeah. time to get the car. But also crisscrossing with Jessica Biel, who has gotten a ride with his nemesis. Um, and, you know, chasing her, trying to get back. Check this out. Tell me what's better. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Well, the first one's good for really little kids, like my sister, who's three. And the second one's good for big kids, like my friends and me. And the third one's good if you want to scare people and watch them run away screaming. Okay, cool, thanks. Whatever. Is it good? No. Um, Is it fun? Also no. Um, (laughs) But I remember as a youth being like, both Oh yeah, I'm sure... Both him and the uh, the nemesis are just ungodly levels of like hot um, for teenagers, and I was just like, Ugh. and and I also think like for a kid, there's something like not threatening about the fact that he like 
just always had a prepubescentness to him. Like, I know, like, his voice is really high, like, he's really not threatening. And so I just think, like, it was easy for, like, little kids to see him and, like, picture themselves in that position. Well, also, he has the Macaulay Culkin thing where it's like, this character is so charming and so good at lying. He gets his way out of anyone, out of any situation. And we all wanted to be that clever. We all wanted life yeah. to like go that way for us to be able to scam our way. Like he's like at a nursing home or whatever. And like sitting on like kids are sitting on his lap and he's giving toys. And he's like through his magic of, you know, the gift of the gab, he's able to get through these sticky situations. Um, and yeah, and it, it's a very classic like Scrooge scenario where he comes around um, again. Good. No, but an <laughs> artifact and um, harmless enough. Also, uh, I, I will say really quickly, Jessica Biel is um, an ally in this movie. She tells the nemesis, she's like, I don't want to hear any um, misogynistic or homophobic music on the way home. And I was very like, nice. oh, yes, great. <laughs> um, uh, I did want to, we passed it earlier, but I did want to mention um, in our holiday musical episodes, I talked about Mrs. Santa Claus, which is a TV movie with Angela Lansbury that I really love. Uh, I'm probably not going to say too much about it here, but honestly, go listen to that. Watch the movie. It's fun. It's, it's on fun. YouTube. It's so um, good. It is a little, I remember you saying this. It is a little like, at the end, she loses a little agency because she's like, he needs me. And it's like, okay, like. Yeah, they, uh, they don't quite stick the landing, but like right. for a lot of it, it's fun. Yeah, exactly. Um, 1997 and 98 come both Jack Frost movies. Um, one is a horror movie about a reincarnated snowman uh, who comes to life. And the other is a slasher movie about a reincarnated snowman comes to life. I'm, I'm saying that as a joke, but like yeah, seriously, yep, they're nope. the, it's the same plot. One one is a, a snowman who comes to life and kills people. And the other is Michael Keaton, a dead dad who possesses a snowman to hang out with his kid. <laughs> Through a magical um, harmonica. Yeah. Another movie that I watched too many times as a kid. Um, I don't know why. And then finally, the the ultimate uh, Christmas movie to close out the end of uh, the 1990s. I mean, and all of the 90s and lead us into the millennium. Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut. Stanley Kubrick's final film, which takes place over Christmas, uh, about a couple going through marriage problems and Tom Cruise's odyssey uh, into the night of, will he cheat on his wife? Will he not? Will they get it together? Will they learn to fuck? Is he going to imagine the weird sailor that his wife wanted to fuck? Why is this a Christmas movie? Just because it happens over Christmas time? Because it really is. It's about the Christmas spirit. It's about coming together and realizing you got to fuck your wife. Okay. I'm going to just breeze past coming together. Um, (laughs) Something I, they certainly never did. I, Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise. <laughs> I, I I don't I, I I'm not buying this bread basket, mama. Uh, they they go to a Christmas party in it. I don't know what more you want. <laughs> Do you know anyone here? Not a soul. Why do you think Ziggler invites us to these things every year? This is what you get for making house calls. <laughs> no, I I thought you were going to say 1999's uh, Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas. 
Um, that happens. <laughs> I I think it's lovely. I've never seen it. I'm, still have not, it to me. Still have not seen it. No, it's three featurettes. Um, one focuses on Donald Duck. The second is about Goofy, and the third is about Mickey and Minnie. Um, and I think it is quite good. Um, in delivering the purest uh, version of like what made these characters funny and accessible. Like Donald is mad because his three fucking little nephews are like want Christmas. And that feature is basically the, the three kids want to have Christmas every day and it happens. And so they're them getting tired of it and then learning how to, you know, like the true meaning of Christmas. Um, the second one, similar vibes where, uh, Max is, you know, learning about Christmas with Goofy. And I, I, I don't know, like I can go on, but like, it's just the, it feels like the morals and, and the, the, all the like sugary sweetness of classic Christmas tales through the lens and filter of Disney in very sweet, but funny, funny, funny ways. Um, I, I don't know, Gavin, I, I, it's it's short. Um, it's beautifully animated. Um, and honestly, I don't think Disney has like even come close to utilizing these characters um, in the same way. And the, the third one, Mickey and Minnie, it's what's the it's the classic tale of like he sells the thing to buy her a gift, but she actually sold the thing to buy him the gift. Oh, that's sweet. Whatever that story is. Um, it's a classic Christmas tale. Yeah, yeah. Also on Disney Plus, I highly recommend. It feels like the best parts of like Christmas Americana without any of the um whether this is wrong or right or my own naivete, like without too much of the corporate grossness, even though obviously the brand they're selling is Disney. Um, but it just feels good. It feels nice and warm and cuddly. Um, so yeah. On the reverse of that, Louise Kaplan said of Eyes Wide Shut, Kubrick has showed the viewers the dark side of Christmas consumerism. The film illustrates ways in which the material reality of money is shown replacing the spiritual value of Christmas, charity, and compassion. While virtually every scene has a Christmas tree, there is no Christmas music or cheery Christmas spirit. Hmm. <laughs> and thus, a, a, a Christmas movie is made. And a perfect way to close out the decade, I think. But I think that really takes us out of the 90s. Um, what a weird, like, consumer media-driven time. Um, you know, we didn't even talk about the fact that, like, this was, you know, like, this is the era of video cassette, like, like yeah. VHS really coming into play. These holiday movies can be shown over and over again. The 1997s, the first year that... Um, TNT does the 24 hour marathon of a Christmas story, which is not a nineties Christmas movie, but has that impact. And, and so like the, there is a, a branding of Christmas, I think in the nineties that is still stuck with us um, that we've, you know, a lot of those traditions continue on to the day, whether they're good or bad. Um, but I, I think it's such an interesting time to look at the films of the nineties uh, and see, you know, take a little deeper, see what they're saying. Some of them dark, some of them light. Um, and, and how they, they play into Christmas. That being said, why don't we get into our picks? We'll start with our one-star reviews, sort of our bah humbugs. Let's get into it. I watched some, like, pretty heinous um, TV movies 
um, <laughs> TV holiday movies. I watched 1997's Borrowed Hearts, which was like garbage. Um, but it feels like uh, too easy. Like, you know, I, 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 I focused on, I think on um, big releases for this and uh, I, I, 1994's Trapped in Paradise is just, it's bad. It's real bad. It's, it's incredible. Like that this movie was made. <laughs> and I don't, it, it is allegedly, and you mentioned how George Gallo perhaps wasn't actually directing it. It is not only directed by him, allegedly, um, but he wrote and produced it as well. Um, I, uh, Gavin mentioned before, this is about three brothers. Um, it opens with Nicolas Cage and he like, it's about the temptation to be bad. You know, he's always finding wallets and things and he's like, ooh, I could make a quick buck here. Um, but he resists. Unlike, they're all brothers, right? Yeah, he has two brothers, one played by John Lovitz, who's a compulsive liar, and one played by Dana Carvey, who's a kleptomaniac. Right. And when we first meet Dana Carvey, he is playing him. I'm sorry. He is mentally unwell, playing a full (laughs) caricature of a human being. Um, It is borderline offensive. Um, Yeah. And but as the movie progresses, you mentioned that Fox asked him to stop. Um, and I can, you can, as I was watching the movie, I was like, I think Dana Carvey is struggling the, with the characterization. He is like trying to find the human in this person. There's guns in the trunk and I got a problem. Hey, I borrowed the car from Fast Eddie. Who the hell is Fast Eddie? Fast Eddie's the guy, he, runs, he owns a gun shop in Morris Park Avenue. Ah, oh, terrific. So chances are there's an arsenal back there. Well, there's probably a couple of shotguns and a couple of 45s. Uh-huh. But you haven't actually seen these guns, have you, Dave? No, no, just an assumption. No, we haven't seen them. Oh, my God, guns! Yeah, Dana Carvey, I think, is really struggling with what this character is supposed to be. He's clearly supposed to be, like, the idiot sidekick who has the funny voice and is the comedic whatever, but, like, it is not coming off that way. He's just a bumbling idiot, and it's not funny. Um, yeah. Like Gavin said, they go, the two brothers who have escaped jail or get out of jail, and they convince Nicolas Cage through a scam to get him to go to this town and do a bank heist. Um, they can't leave the town because of weather and mishaps. They hitchhike and LOL, the guy that picks them up is like the son of the banker who they just robbed and they take him to his house and they're actually very lovely and nice to them. This movie also takes place over one day. They learn the meaning of Christmas and turn it all around from morning to night. Um, It's just deeply unfunny. I was trying to think of like, what is the vibe of this movie? What is the tone that they're trying to go for? It's a little bit slapstick. It's a little bit like it, it wants to be everything. It wants to have the romance. It wants to have right. um, the action. Um, there's like shootings and cops and, you know. It also like there's a very brief period where people really wanted Nick Cage to be like a straight up romantic lead. And like I think anybody who had seen Moonstruck should have learned the lesson that like he can be a romantic lead, 
but there has to be meat there. There has to be like a character. He's got to be screaming about how his brother has his bride and he has his hand. Um, it's but he's the straight man in this movie. Yeah, and it's bad. It's a bad performance from Nicolas Cage. What's wild though is like he, even though he's a straight guy, he is still making a lot of cookie bookie choices. He like his yeah. line deliveries are very like strange. Um, this movie wants what Raising Arizona has. Yes. Um, Raising Arizona. But it's just not weird enough. That's the thing. And when it does try and be weird, like through the characterization of Dana Carvey, it feels out of place. It feels out of place and mean-spirited. Yeah. And and it might also just be because everyone around them in this town is just so sickly sweet. Like, it's, it's totally a disaster. Make it make sense. Make it make sense. It's not good. I don't like it. It's it's a profound waste of time. Um, part of me just because I want to, I would love to hear the argument. Uh, wants to give it to Jingle all the way, but I can't because there's literally another movie from that year that it's much worse, and that's Santa with Muscles. I mean, Santa with Muscles is barely a movie. It bums me out that um. Garrett Morris from SNL is in this movie. We both pick movies with SNL people for our one-star reviews. Yeah. Um, you know, Clint Howard, who deserves better. Um, I feel like he's always the butt of the joke because he's in these movies. Ed Bigley Jr., who's actually giving a performance. Uh, but he unfortunately, he's playing the villain. The, he's playing a very cartoony villain. But he's playing the villain against Hulk Hogan, who can't even act in, like, a cartoony manner. Who just can't, like... Was this, and, like, Hulk Hogan's attempt at, like, like... Arnold Schwarzenegger, like The Rock, yeah. like uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, he had made this movie in the early '90s called Suburban Commando, um, uh, which I th- it's been years since. I, I mean, I think I saw that movie when I was like nine, but uh, where I think he played like an alien, and he comes down and he's like on Earth, and he's kind of paired with um, Christopher Lloyd, and that movie was like a moderate success, and people thought like, oh, he can act. And this was the follow up to it. And it just just was not it has none of the charm, none of the laughs. And like, the script is bad. So I don't want to like lay it all on him. Uh, He's not given anything to work with. But you see people like Ed Bagley Jr. who once again, is not giving a great performance, but is giving a performance like an over the top performance. Um, Like, and you find out like there's this whole thing towards the end of the movie where you find out out of nowhere um it's garrett morris reveals to hulk hogan that he was raised in that orphanage and his best friend in that orphanage was ed begley jr oh yeah sure of course and and so it's like suddenly the smallville thing where it's like oh you were friends and now you're lex luther and superman um and this movie doesn't know like it has no grasp of physics it doesn't like (laughs) it's like a cartoon but in the worst way you know you mentioned that jingle all the way is very cartoony well this movie is very cartoony but like in a completely undefined way so that it's just like hulk hogan literally falls out of a bell tower at one point and it's fine well because he's hulk hogan right um it's how he gets his memory back actually (laughs) but uh the yeah it's so so bad uh, these poor kids that had to there's a scene where he goes to talk to like a little girl who is singing a song that her mother used to sing to her as lullaby and i was like stop talking to that child i was like <laughs> someone take that cps take we, that child away we need to call someone babe because yeah <laughs> also what a, like is there there has to be a better pun out there than 
I mean, standing with muscles is not a pun. That's just a description. Right. Like, it's, and, and, and it's like what it's actually said in the movie. And I was shocked. I was like, like the he like when he starts saving the orphanage, the news shows up and they're like, oh, this Santa with muscles. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, yeah, why, yeah. like that's not even a thing, I guess, because Santa is traditionally fat. But like, I guess, but like there's enough imagery and wordplay to be done with both working out and Santa and Christmas. It's just it, it feels very lazy all around is what, what I'm what I'm getting. But Santa, you look so much more healthy than you did last year. Tell us, what's your secret? Uh, I love to eat a lot of reindeer meat. Don't. Just kidding, Helen. Um, I just I try to laugh a lot every day. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. There's a new Santa in town. And I know if you've been naughty or nice, so be nice. Yeah, it's uh, I that would actually be the best way to describe that movie. It's lazy. Um, Hate it. Was there anything else that you saw that you didn't particularly like? I will always have like my reservations about like the Home Alone movies, though they are undeniable. Um, I thought Mixed Nuts just didn't do anything for me. Um, wasn't really sure like what we're supposed to like get from that like in the end steve martin ends up with um the the girly that like works there and i'm like is that is that it like miss tom hanks yeah exactly um i was like i so the the wife from jingle all the way actually too that's right wow um rita's getting around uh rita's uh uh-huh um I see on the reverse of that, like I would gladly watch Mix Nuts any day of the week over Jingle All the Way. I still, I think, I genuinely think it's irresponsible for you to show children Jingle All the Way. I think it's homophobic. I think it's sexist. I think, like, I just, it's not, it's not a good movie. Um, <laughs> I mean, okay, like, sorry, but like back then. They called things that they didn't like fag. Like I don't think it was like homo like it is a homophobic thing, but like it is homophobia. Is, is the movie homophobic? No. Like it's like, there, there's more than one joke. It's not even just that. There's really? more than one. Yeah, there's um I'm trying to remember it happens earlier in the film. It was when my first like my antennas went up and I was like, is that a homophobic joke? So I, like I don't remember that. What I do remember is like the set piece of Arnold Schwarzenegger fighting a cabal of Santas is funny. Um, and I thought that him fighting, like him becoming the toy and fighting the actual villain who, I mean, both him and Sinbad are on parallel tracks, right? Like they are both dads who are not good dads and want to get the toy. They both end up becoming these super powered, whatever the fucks for this Macy's knockoff parade thing. Um, you know what's wild, and I, I guess I hadn't thought about that this until just this moment. The funny thing is, for as much of a creep as they paint Phil Hartman, and Phil Hartman's character is a creep. I was talking about him earlier, but because I, I love his performance and I love Phil Hartman in general. He's never presented as a bad dad, and that is all the way through the end of the movie. Like they do say, like he's bad in the end. For why there is one th- they, maybe not a well, bad because he's like he's like a creep to Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife he's like making the move on her but right like... but like also like on all the wives like the whole vibe is like all the wives want to fuck him except for Arnold's wife right and 
he yeah that's right he's putting the moves on her and she's like i'm literally married you know this like what the fuck yeah and he's like do you remember when during the the summer barbecue when you asked me how to marinate an ahi tuna i was yeah. like i love this this is oh wow i i just think like there is something there like the sinbad character is supposed to show us like because in the end or not in the end but like through the the steps of this if sinbad had made better decisions like the story would have like resolved right like he would have had the toy they would have like done the thing but because simbad's selfishness um and and you know kind of cr- i mean he's literally like going to kill this kid at the end like it's like the kid's hanging on from like this skyscraper and like simbad's like wah, 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 like i'm getting the toy kid it's crazy um and i think like if we're going to get like meta and deep uh it's how being so obsessed with toys and capitalism can fucking ruin you. Like how it is, it's, it's bad. Um, and I think through Simbad's character shows us like the true, you know, darkness of it all. Uh, but I, I hear you like. A and, lot then, of- and, the, and then the credit scene where, where the wife's like, well, what did you get me? And it's like, <laughs> no, but really. Um, oh boy all right let's get out of our one star reviews let's find the christmas spirit and let's get into some five star reviews what a hard hard um ask a hard task um (laughs) i am going to like speak to what during this rewatch really affected me and I, I really just, and this is going to be a shocker, a surprise twist. Um, I really do think Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas. Oh, wow. Just fucking, I just looked for I quick. really thought you were going to go with the Santa Claus. I mean, listen, there are movies um, that we've watched that everyone will have watched that are very sentimental, nostalgic, do all the good things right. I think the Santa Claus is one of those movies. I think Miracle on 34th Street's great. Like, there are a lot of movies on this list that... You can't go wrong with, um, but I, I was getting emotional watching this these trio of cartoons. Um, I didn't explain it well the first time, but the second features a very goofy Christmas, and it is in the like universe of you know a goofy movie. Um, the whole vibe is that Max is beginning to not believe in Santa Claus, and um, Pete next door is like, oh, "Would you want?" It's crazy. Like you think Santa can go around and giving kids all this stuff and like going around the world. And there's basically in the end, you know, Santa does show up, gives him the gift, and and Max like is is so warmed by this and he he looks to Goofy and says, Dad, did you get what you wanted for Christmas? Santa didn't forget your gift, did he? Every year I ask for the same gift, and every year I get it. What's that? Your happiness. Uh-oh. What is it, son? <laughs> Got you the same thing. Merry Christmas, Dad. Merry Christmas, Max. And I was just like, that's fucking it. Like, you know, wrapping up these movies and this, I, I mean, the, the whole Christmas spirit idea is like belief. Belief in each other, believe in our fam- familial love. Um, and that that's the lesson that Huey Dewey and um Huey Dewey and Louie, my fucking name. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the one you couldn't remember? I know I was like Huey Dewey and Louie. Um that's what they learned. Huey Dewey and Luis? 
Yeah, <laughs> correct. Yeah. Um, they. You do like to dress in just a shirt and a hat. Oh, and and one, no pants. One hundred percent. Catch me on Fire Island anytime. That is the outfit. Um, no, but that that's. I think these movies teach a lot to the curmudgeons in our lives. They teach a lot to kids. I think, you know, Huey and Dewey and Louie have a banger lit Christmas those first couple times that they relive Christmas. They get all the gifts they want. They don't even need their uncle to show them where the gifts are. They just go and they're playing. Um, and what's even more special is that they realize they have to do it, quote, right to get out of this loop. The first time they think they're doing it right, the, the, the movie takes the time to show them doing what they think is right. They think they're doing it the right way, and it's still not right. They wake up again, and it's fucked. They thought they were being polite. They thought they were, like, giving their aunt a hug and, like, doing all the things right. But the movie even takes the time to say, like, it's not even about performing being a good family member. It's about being considerate. And it's actually, you know, being like, you know what, Daisy, like, this food is beautiful and delicious and actually like looking for the special moments that we're having with our family. And at the end, when like everything, the whole thing crashes down around them, like the food is fucked, but they have each other and they are actually having this emotional moment. And, and that's what breaks the spell. And, and, um, and, and similarly with the last, it's the gift of the Magi is the story. Um, and Mickey just wants to get um, Minnie a gold chain for her, like, for her watch. That's like her heirloom. Um, and Minnie wants to get Mickey a um, something for his, like, harmonica or like a harmonica case. It's just, you know, all of these. Uh, and Minnie doesn't get her Christmas bonus. She gets a fruitcake instead. And so they sell the things that they were buying gifts for. Um, and it's just, uh, again, like. There's a lot of funny, a lot of like kind of uh, cartoon antics um, that that are sweet and disarming. But then there's a lot of heart and like I something that I, I guess I just recently realized, like a lot of these Disney characters, they're quite emotional. They're able to tap into like some very human like, oh, shame, like embarrassment, you know, but also just like love. It's not just like the caricature of like, oh, I'm Mickey and like I'm always happy. But like they're learning lessons. Um, and I think this, I think they all look great. I think they um there's music at the very end, they kind of like all the characters come together and they sing jingle bells and we wish you a Merry Christmas, like just like the classics. And I remember watching this like as a kid in elementary school, they would just put it on the TV. Um, like you mentioned, this was like I think on the VHS, we might have had it, um, watched it a lot. Um, rewatching these movies that you know, everyone loves. This was the one that kind of hit me the most. Like, I think it's the most emotional, frankly, like, especially that goofy one. Um, it's those are these are all real things like that. we People feel it's like, oh, yeah, I want to be selfish. Oh, yeah. Like, why would I believe in Santa? Oh, yeah. Like uh, the, the commercialism of like needing to buy stuff. And I think the crazily enough, I think these three little featurettes bundled together. Um, do the best job of kind of like shitting on all of that and not in a way that feels fake or makes me feel bad for like feeling that way because we all feel that way sometimes. Um, and it's just also just fun. And so for that and so many more, 
um yeah mickey's once upon a christmas it's my five-star review that was uh were you in speech and debate <laughs> I was that was not. a very convincing that was I, yeah I, it's also short it's not like you know i think each of them is like maybe 20 minutes i um, i was like he's saying all this about fucking disney but you I know, know what i know and like and that's a gag because but i think that's the thing also like disney now feels like they don't even know they don't even know how to right do that anymore back then i think like it wasn't um because also back then like there was actual humans behind these movies that were like you know middle class workers and you know wasn't fucking the conglomerate of it all like now it's like disney and abc and everything's like you know um yeah disney is a mega evil corporation but it wasn't always and (laughs) even in the 90s when it was a big corporation and had a lot of power this this feels very special and different than you know perhaps things that are being put out today by disney but fuck if i know maybe i'm also wrong well, I mean, I'm I'm also going to pick something that uh, that I looked deeper into, even though it is from a large. I mean, this will come as no surprise to you. This is why I'm wearing the shirt, the Hello There shirt, which is uh, my five star review is 1992's Batman Returns. Batman Returns remains one of my favorite movies. Always, I watch it every Christmas season. Um, I've still not watched it yet this year because I don't have to yet because I can recite every line. I know can, every scene. You can put on the play right now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, and I think most people know the story Batman trying to save the city from uh, uh, the plans of the Penguin and Catwoman um, and the evil businessman Max Shrek. I've talked about it a bunch on the show, but I do want to talk about it through the lens of what you were actually just talking about, which I think is family, um, which I do think for me specifically is actually the most important part of the holidays. I always um, it's the one day of the year that I really try. I've only not spent christmas with my family one one year which uh was when during like the height of covid um i stayed here in new york city but uh it's the one day a year i like i really like to be with my family because i think every other aspect of christmas really stresses me out the money and the like fake cheerfulness and everything but i love my family and i love seeing them happy and everything and i think you know one of the under um, appreciated aspects of Batman Returns is a lot of the psychological stuff. When you first see Bruce Wayne in this film, he is literally sitting alone in Wayne Manor waiting for the bat signal. Um, and that's because there just is no Bruce Wayne anymore. He, he, he just is Batman, essentially. And um, then he meets Selena Kyle, who's this incredibly lost woman, this very intriguing woman who doesn't really have a family. She lives far away in Gotham City. She has the closest she has to a family is her mom on her answering machine who she doesn't want to talk to. Um and he sees her as this lost and lonely person and he finds this love for her. On the other hand, he's also seeing the penguin who was a child who was abandoned by his family, who's adopted this like crazy circus criminal family, but like states his goal is to figure out who his parents are. There's this really beautiful scene that nobody really talks about that much where um, after the Penguin has sort of his outing day comes up from the sewers, um, Bruce Wayne is watching the Penguin on TV as the newscasters are covering this press conference and Alfred is in the background putting up his Christmas tree and Penguin's like, you know, my, my goal is to find my parents. A child who spent his first Christmas and many since 
Mr. Wayne, something wrong? No. Uh, his parents. Again, this scene direct from Gotham Plaza, where we have just witnessed the emergence of the finds penguin man of the sewer. And it's this nice moment because, you know, Bruce Wayne lost his parents. He, the only family he has is Alfred. He's this bachelor living alone in this gigantic mansion with this old man who takes care of him as a father, um, as well as patches him up after a night out on the town beating up mentally ill people. Um, <laughs> but I, I think there's a really deep well of like trying to find and connect with other people and why the you know the real villain in the movie even though once again is also a family man max shrek the only thing he cares about is leaving a monetary legacy for his son chip and uh like at the end of the movie when he confronts catwoman he's like you know we we could just forget this we could we could leave together and she has that great line of like um I can't go live in your castle with you. Like, this is not a fantasy for me, you know? And and succumbs to, like, the anger and everything. But then, at the end of the movie, she leaves him his her cat. Like, he goes, he thinks he sees Catwoman in an alley. He has the car stop. He goes, sees a cat, picks it, picks it up. And there's that, like, brief, beautiful moment where, you know, to Alfred's, like, a peace on earth and goodwill towards men. And he says, and women, as he's petting the cat. And I, I just think, I think there is a, a really big, you know, for everybody that talks about the darkness of it and, and all the, I think there is a heart to this movie and there is a psychological aspect to it that is a lot deeper and sweeter um, than what you get out of most kind of action superhero movies nowadays. There's, there's this really deep characterization um connection between these characters and like once again it's specifically the catwoman the selena kyle bruce wayne stuff i mean that the movie like completely slows down for them to have a sexy talk on a couch and it's great and you don't see that in christmas movies anymore or, or superhero movies anymore but also like the fact that this movie allows for that for that to happen i don't know i think it's i think it's a really beautiful movie for many many reasons but to me it feels like christmas because of that um element of just like these are lost people and they're searching for something in the holiday season and perhaps there's some magic there that can bring them together unfortunately you know penguin's insane yeah. it's just never never, never going to come together for him but for for bruce and selena you know there's a chance well it's like it's a classic soap opera right yeah and like and and Honey, there's a reason why there's drama in the holidays. <laughs> like we do think about our family in, in the holidays. You know, we do think about like our connections, who do we love, who loves us, yeah, um, what are we here for? That all comes up and that the the when people say, like, come on, it's Christmas, like what does that mean? Like, what do you, like, oh right. just it's it's yeah, it's a fucking time of the year. If we're not talking about the religious aspect aspect of it, like what does that mean to believe like it's Christmas time? We should be nicer kinder not care about the monetary we should you know be sharing what we have and be grateful for what we have and all those things um and yeah you're right like that movie uh, these misfits like are trying to cobble together like a type of family and, uh, and it's kind of wild too that this is one of the few 
Batman films, you know, that that never um, really mention the Bruce Wayne's past. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, I've I showed this Batman movie to Dan. He had never seen any of the Batman movies. And I showed this to him first. And his initial reaction was like, there's no Batman in this movie. And my argument is always like, everything in this movie is Batman. Like Catwoman is Batman and Penguin is Batman and Max Shrek is Batman. They're just broken mirror versions of him. Max Shrek is this awful rich businessman. Oh, he's who Bruce Wayne would have become if his parents had lived. And Penguin is who Bruce Wayne is the monster that Bruce Wayne is when he dresses up as Batman. And Catwoman is the lost person that he is when he dresses up as Batman and goes out at night. And, um, but I completely understood what he was saying because this is the least Batman, but I, I think he's just all over it, you know, like, yeah. and the, and that Christmas thing feeds into it because like you said, it's a time where you're meant to think about family. You're meant to think about the people you surround yourself with and the connections you make. And yeah, I don't know. It just is Christmas to me for some reason. Batman returns is Christmas. <laughs> yeah, totally. Other things that we wanted to shout out as like really bangers for the nineties Christmas time. Um, you know, I really do love While You Were Sleeping, and I know that feels like a tangential Christmas movie, but it's so sweet and so nice, and like, I don't know, and it also feels, you know, it bleeds into that idea of, like, family and whatnot, and, and like, the, the thing, you know, she thought the thing that she wanted was Peter Gallagher, but what she really wanted was all these crazy people that are in his life. Yeah. Um. I and also once again like such a soft spot for Mrs. Santa Claus, just an old school musical, and one of those things that like every time I watch it, I'm just like, they made this for TV, like it's so it's so big, yeah. it's so like it. Even though you can tell it's shot very much for that Academy aspect ratio of the four by three, um, if there's just large musical numbers, yep. all the costumes are Bob Mackie, yeah, like yeah, incredible. Um, I think like if we're gonna say like the classic bangers pick a home alone whatever yeah um muppet christmas carol oh yeah absolutely um, nightmare before christmas mm-hmm. um miracle on 34th street the santa claus like those to me probably are the most popular famous um 30 somethings could say it backward and forward um and around <laughs> and, and again all- and all good choices, you know, and yeah. like, yeah, uh, it, 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 we will be watching them until the end of time. Um, but yeah. OK, uh, before we move into our fast forward, let's do our mixed reviews review. My one star review is 1994's Trapped in Paradise. And my one star review is 1996's Santa with Muscles. My five star review is 1999's Mickey's One Spot of Christmas. And my five star review is 1992's Batman Returns. All right, let's get into our fast forward. Obviously, Christmas movies are still made nowadays. Uh, You mentioned up front Hallmark Channel. Uh, Hallmark Channel started off as a religious channel, really didn't rebrand itself into Hallmark Channel until the early 2000s, and really didn't get into the... um, holiday Christmas movie thing in about to to like 2010 to 2015. So there was a big, like long time where like, you know, obviously Christmas movies everywhere. uh, But like, really not till that, you know, 
that happen and it blows up. Um, I've said my piece before about what I think about modern Christmas movies, especially those. Uh, if you really want to hear me go off, if you want to see me go off, uh, listen to our Lindsay Lohan episode. I really went to town on how much I hate modern Christmas movies. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, I think this, I think the nineties, like it, it carried over and got amplified. I mean, in 2000 alone, you get how the Grinch stole Christmas, the live action with Jim Carrey, you know, the bad Santa 2003 elf in 2003. So like, obviously there's a uh, polar express in 2004, you, you know, there's no end to the I Christmas feel like film. We need to, you know, take a stand the way that programmers across america keep insisting that polar express is some sort of christmas classic i have not <laughs> i have not met a single person who's like you know what i love growing up watching polar express no you didn't no one liked it yeah no one liked I, it. it's I, crazy one of my coworkers who's a really good guy so i'm not i'm not trying to call him out he has two young kids he's like i've watched uh, polar express so many times this season already and i really like it i was like no, no i was you like don't. don't do that stop no. showing your kids that just, <laughs> just put on the santa claus again um yeah it's 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 weird i mean i i kind of in the same way that like rom-coms have had to try and like reinvent themselves for like a modern audience feels like christmas movies have kind of done the same and i think what's difficult is because the vibe is we are we are not in a sincere society anymore you know like right it is cynicism, um, all, irony. Yes, all like all of those things worked really well in the '90s, certainly post 9/11, because that's just what the vibe was. We wanted, you know, um, sincerity and the squishy, happy ending type stuff. We're not there anymore. We we are right. we, the world. The world's on fire, and we are disillusioned, babe. So it's very hard to. And honey, you know, we didn't talk about this too much, but like these movies are like aggressively white. Like these movies yeah. are aggressively pointed towards like middle road. If not middle road America, it's fucking like all I want for Christmas. And it's like literally <laughs> the 1% of, right. of, of people who are, you know, or always like, Oh, what an inspiration. Like you finally on like this one time of the year decided to be nice to like poor people and give them something for fucking Christmas. Like that's, fucked up right like yeah poor people don't matter just in christmas time um <laughs> exactly and and i think audiences today um it's it's you we can't do it like it's it just doesn't make sense um and maybe that's probably why like not probably why but like maybe a reason why we like visiting these movies because it is the comfort food it's easy to kind of like distract it is a fantasy um and, and i think you know, nostalgia for stuff for when you're a kid, especially when you grow up in a time in which, you know, like I mentioned, VHSs were like they, they started in the 80s. But the popularity in the 90s was the idea that you could watch something over and over and over again. And I think there is a a comfort to that. And, and because of that, like when you're an adult, like you crave that sort of serotonin boost that you get for or that missed feeling that you had when you were a kid. I mean, Batman Returns is that for me, you know, that's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also these movies don't just remind you of like, oh, I remember watching this a lot. It reminds me of my sisters. It reminds right. me of like my parents. It reminds me of like who was around when I was. Yeah. These people that we don't see as much as we did when we were kids. Um, and so like, of course, they'll always have a special place in our heart. Um, and, you know, I'm sure like we're old fucks now, but like 
I'm sure that there are movies that are coming out right now that kids will, you know, have those same feelings for. Kids um, love Daddy's Home too. They <laughs> love a Bad Mom's Christmas. They love them. I you, I don't know. Illuminations, The Grinch, like. Oh right, I forget. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, who knows? Um, are there other classics? But like, what are the 2010s Christmas classics? Right. I don't fucking know. I um, truly don't know either. The last Christmas movie I remember seeing and liking is Carol. <laughs> the Todd Haynes yeah, lesbian please. drama. Oh my <laughs> like, God. Okay, well, in this house, we stand the family stone. We fam love actually. We stand. Uh, wow. I don't the care. taste is the I, taste is really jumping out and I don't, off of things. I don't <laughs> into I don't care. a river. I don't care. I don't care. You know what? We have <laughs> we have tens of listeners who agree with me. Okay, so I'm taking them, and we're having a great time watching um, the Family Stone and Love Actually. I don't care. Um, what's the song that they sing in um, Christmas is all around us? Is that the song from Love Actually? Yes. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Eject. Eject. <laughs> Gavin said. And why is why is it not working? Why am I not <laughs> shooting through the ceiling? Gavin just really wants it to be back to Halloween Town, but I am here to say, as your um, Santa little elf who's three thousand years old and makes the perfect <laughs> cup of cocoa, um, Merry Christmas, everyone! Happy holidays! The world is on fire. Um, genocide is happening, um, but you know we have each other. Um, speak out against injustice. We are your family love your family um your found family your chosen family yes gavin we are at the end of the year we are it's like sentimental it really is oh it's goodness. another it's another, another year, year another year of us doing this show together um it's it's wild obviously this year has been a year of change for our show um but what hasn't changed is the fun we've had and you know what Guess what, bitch? We're doing it again next year. <laughs> right, exactly. You ain't seen The Last of Us. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes, happy holidays, everybody. You know, no matter what you celebrate, you know, hopefully you enjoy this. And uh, yeah, hey, you know, I movies. Mean, I think, Love them. I think, yeah, I, I would say the last two years, I've been on like a journey of like Christmas and what it means to me and, you know, and traditions that like maybe... I feel not connected to, but like the traditions I realizing, like, this is a tradition you and me, Gavin, like, yeah. this is a tradition. We, we, we have made this. Um, my little sister says this all the time. We create culture. Um, and so, you know, doesn't matter if you believe in Christianity and Jesus and all that shit or not like what we, what, what me and Gavin believe in is, is film and, and film magic <laughs> and, and the memories that we make around them and and it is special and and how special it is for us to revisit these um you know favorites um and and feel different and new things and real, yeah. realize you know um the meaning of christmas um which i quite like so thank you everybody for listening if you want to reach us uh before the end of the year or even in the new year you can always find us on twitter at at the mixed reviews we're on facebook just type in the mixed reviews if you want to email us, you can always email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. We got your email, Vincent. Don't worry. We will be responding soon. Yeah. Me and Gavin were like reading over emails earlier. It's so sweet when you guys message us. We love it. Um, you can also find us over on Instagram where 
We post silly nonsense, <laughs> including videos of us watching movies um, for the episode. That's at the underscore mix underscore reviews. I always enjoy them. I always like it's great. I'm like, oh, there's Louie. Um, you can the, see the uh... inside of my apartment. <laughs> Who hasn't? Oh! <laughs> um, Gag. <laughs> and if you want to listen to this or a plethora of our back catalog, you can find us on any major podcast app. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. Google, oh, Stitcher doesn't exist anymore. We're we're on Apple, Spotify, Google, Audible, Amazon, we're on all the places. If you want to stop by one of those, leave us a five-star rating, write a little review. We'll read it on the show. You can also follow us on Patreon where we do these episodes in video for you. That has lots of, all the movie clips are in there as well too. Um, I hope you enjoy them. We should be doing more bonus episodes soon. Hopefully, so sorry. We're very busy people. Um, and also check out the other podcasts on the Glitter Job Podcast Collective. Yeah, and you should um, keep an eye out because we may or may not be doing some tip spots soon. It's very true. Um, in the new year. Um, so that's very exciting. Um, thank you guys for hanging out with us for this entire year. Um, we hope to see you in the new year. Um, it's been fun. I hope you all have a safe and lovely holiday season. Um, did you get my, you know... Uh, my wish list because I will be expecting gifts. Um, just kidding. Um, thank you, everyone. We'll see you next month. Bye. Bye. Every time I try and do a fun intro, it just like fucks us both up and I'm just not going to do it. Okay. Even though I want to be like in the season of being festive, I'm not going to do it. Well, you know, I hate fun. Yeah. So don't worry, Louie. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> I'm so crazy. That's exactly what I said to that guy that luckily he didn't get that voice memo. Um, oh, well, now I can't include this in the episode, but I was gonna. <laughs> <laughs> you can include it. It's fine. Imagine he's, he's one of our fans. Imagine.